0: Jackie Tan and welcome to the Bodies Built Better podcast. On the show, we chat with experts, athletes, coaches, and authors to educate and inspire you. We explore the body's incredible ability to heal, adapt, and evolve so you can crush limitations, reconnect your body and mind, and discover your extraordinary potential. Today on the show, I am super excited to be chatting with sports and exercise physiologist Esther Goldsmith. Esther is part of the science team at Fitter Woman and Orico, where they are performing incredible research in female physiology and how to optimize athletic performance by tracking and understanding your menstrual cycle. This is groundbreaking research. I am so excited for the future of women's sports, but not only that, on a personal note, I have a much better understanding of what's happening in my body. Did you know, ladies, we have four phases of our cycle, and in each cycle, we have different physiological symptoms. We could be doing different things in our training, in our recovery, and our nutrition whether you're an athlete, coach, or a woman just trying to understand your symptoms and how you can manage your well-being, this is for you. Enjoy this episode with Esther Goldsmith. Esther, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I'm super excited to be talking about the incredible work that you're doing around the menstrual cycle. But before we get into it, I'd love for you to tell us more about you.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, firstly, thank you for having me. Um, it's an absolute honour. Um, so I am a researcher and exercise, uh, sport and exercise physiologist. Um, I work for a company called Oracle, and um, we have a female athlete programme and that's centred around our, our app, Fitter Woman. So that's kind of what I do um, on a day-to-day um Basics I work with a lot of our female athlete clients. I'm really passionate about and um, kind of getting a lot of What we know in science and um, out there um, so that everyone has access to it um, Because I didn't originally always know what I know now um, I actually started I started life my other life was um, training as a professional uh, contemporary dancer and I guess when I kind of transitioned out of the dance world, um, I did my masters in Applied Sport and Exercise Physiology and started discovering all of this all of this research. I was like, why didn't I know this before? Like if someone had told me this, maybe whilst I was dancing, I might have appreciated my body much more and like, who knows what would have happened. So um, yeah, I kind of feel like I've got a responsibility almost um, to to get all of this information out there and help as many people as possible.
0: That's so amazing. And you said it perfectly. I think we're all in that same sort of boat, like, you know, where we don't know so much about our own bodies. And if we did how much more we could get out of ourselves and out of our training or whatever it is. And so it's super exciting, the work that you're doing. Um, Let's, let's go back to basics what are some uh, firstly some common misconceptions and myths around the menstrual cycle
1: sure I was I was thinking about this and I think the first one and probably I, I hope things are changing about it but I guess a really common one is that I can't exercise when I'm on my period like it's it's everywhere people just like oh don't don't worry like it's fine or and, and fair enough, like some people are in debilitating pain like that. I mean, that shouldn't be happening. But if, if you can't get out of bed, then probably exercising is probably the last thing you want to be doing. But we know that um, like research, research has actually shown that aerobic exercise and yoga are really beneficial um, to manage symptoms. So actually exercise whilst you're on your period is probably one of the best things you can do. Um but again like it's not I do remember someone telling me oh exercise makes cramps feel better but whilst you're in pain like it, that doesn't I mean <laughs> I, <laughs> that's you, not gonna work. <laughs> yeah exactly unless you have gone through that like oh I have exercised for a long period and actually felt pretty good and like you're not gonna learn. So I think like that education around that is is really important. Um I think i was talking to one of my friends who was a swimmer when she was younger and she always said like when she first got her period she didn't swim, she didn't go to training because there wasn't she didn't, wasn't told like oh you can use a tampon and you'll be fine um and then it wasn't until one of like one of the older swimmers in the squad just kind of that's what she did so my friend thought oh well, maybe that will work for me. And then it did. And then ever since she said she swum on her period, but yeah, you need that moment of, Oh yeah, that's okay. Um, so yeah, I think that's one of the, the probably the biggest myth that we come across is,
0: is that you can't exercise with a period. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Why do you think it's only now that this, that we're starting to see this research in, in female athletes and and how do you go about the research because obviously there are so many variables for women yeah
1: it's it's not easy i did my dissertation um research on menstrual cycle and running economy and like even that was difficult and i i would i would change how i did it now like now i know so much more so um i think well so there's been a historical lack of research and that was partly because Kind of pre-World War II, women were deemed as kind of protective subjects, so we that like, women weren't allowed to participate in medical research. And that was partly um to protect unborn fetuses. And then as um kind of research was established, then unfortunately there were kind of things like the thalidomide scandal, so that almost made researchers more worried about testing women. Um and then also, women were deemed as too complicated because it wasn't really, we weren't really understood. The menstrual cycle wasn't appreciated, but it was like, oh, they do have this hormonal fluctuation. So that's too complicated to work out. We'll just, you know, we'll just do all the research on men and I'm sure that'll translate across, um, which isn't the case, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and so in then in 1986, there was a, like some bills passed in the States, um, particularly urging research applicants to actually include women in in their research. And I think from from then it's been a slow transition. But again, it is complicated. You do have to take menstrual cycle and hormonal fluctuations into consideration. Um, Interestingly, that um, thing about testing just men and then applying it to women, there's um, an amazing TED talk um, that is about by Alison McGregor, that um, kind of is about why medicine is letting women down. And um, there's a stat in it, I think from 2001, where 80% of the drugs in the US that were taken off the market, so they've been put on the market and then subsequently taken off, were taken off because of adverse side effects in women, because they hadn't been tested in women. And you're just like, how has that gone on? Exactly. and it's still going on today. I think that's one of the like scary things, like okay, two thousand and one is is nineteen years ago now, but i'm I'm pretty sure like the, lots of um sports science there's been some stats recently about sports science journals just not not having the same amount of female participants as male participants. Um, so yeah it is it, it is difficult, but we really need to do it. like there is so much that we don't quite know or haven't quite established yet. Um, so, yeah, the, the, there's so much more research. To and I wish I could do it all, but I can't.
0: <laughs> I'm really interested. You said, so you did your dissertation around yeah. running economy. Yeah. And yeah. then you said um, if you knew what you knew now, you'd do it a bit differently. Yeah. What was what I mean, that? I- I don't know if I should say this because it's been published, so no, <laughs> it's <laughs> fine.
1: <laughs> it's like mm, <laughs> even take it out of publication. Um I so my methodology was um I I tested the the women every week and that was um pretty much at a fixed day. So it was like, the same day for four weeks and it was what I had with no budget is what I had to do with no budget and no access, like no immediate access to lab. I had to book labs all the time. Whereas now kind of rigorous methodology would be to, um, kind of, uh, observe the, Uh, participants menstrual cycles kind of one cycle two cycles before you start testing see like their um like what their typical cycle is like give them some lh kits make sure they're ovulating and then get lh kits for the testing process as well which is what i couldn't afford unfortunately as a student Um, and then so then you can kind of detect when just before ovulation is going to happen because that's when estrogen is at its peak so you want to you want to measure like low phase. So you want to measure like low phase, and we'll probably get into this in a second. Um, <laughs> when hormones are low, then you want an estrogen peak, and then after that you want progesterone being high, and then you want the premenstrual decline. So there are some particular hormone phases that you can get if you've got someone who is that amazing twenty eight day cycle, absolutely textbook then you can do it by like counting, but who actually is that? So <laughs>
0: Exactly. How many women a textbook? <laughs> yeah, not many, I can tell you that. <laughs> awesome. Well let's break down the physiology, physiology, sorry, of the, the menstrual cycle. Sure. Okay. So um,
1: we split it in to women, we split it into four phases. So I guess that's the easiest way of doing it. Um, And just like to appreciate that the menstrual cycle is this hormonal fluctuation um, that is in a cyclical pattern. And I think often women only think about it when they're bleeding. So when they're actually menstruating, they only think, oh, that's my period. It happens like every month or so. And then the rest of the time, it's not really taken into consideration where actually your hormones, hormones are still changing every day. They're slightly different um so during that uh, menstruation phase you're you're bleeding that's the shedding of the lining of the uterus um, and that's when so estrogen and progesterone levels have fallen just at the end of the cycle so then at the beginning they're still quite low um and then as that that's what we call phase 1 so they're low you're bleeding there are some kind of um, potential physiological um, repercussions of that so um, inflammation is is seem to be um, higher in this phase because of that low hormone um there's hor- low hormone concentration sorry um, and then obviously you're bleeding so for some that that means um, kind of if you're prone to heavy menstrual bleeding you might need to take into consideration like some iron intake just because you're you're losing blood um, and especially if you're an athlete you're more prone to iron deficiency anyway so there are some considerations there um and then as this like bleeding stops you kind of enter into phase two so phase one and phase two together are known as the follicular phase so then phase two the follicular phase is when estrogen um, starts to incline um and so as estrogen builds um typically women feel pretty good in this space. Estrogen is a great hormone. Um, it's linked to kind of serotonin release, um, feeling a little bit stronger potentially, or just you, you've stopped bleeding. So
0: you, <laughs> things kind exactly. of
1: feel, a bit, a bit feel better
0: after that. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. That's over, you're like, crack on. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and estrogen is also linked to kind of protein, um, anabolism, so... Um, potentially there's a, a beneficial effect of um strength training in this phase. Um, but yeah, it's usually it's usually a pretty good phase for most women. Um, interestingly, like a lot of sports science research is linked to um, ACL injury um, because estrogen potentially has the uh well has the ability to affect ligament laxity and neuromuscular activation. So, there's a ton of research. Annoyingly, it's specifically looking at an um, ACL injury, whereas, like, it, there is the potential for it to affect a lot of different injuries. Um, so, it's just that consideration. And unfortunately, it's got a bad rep, but like the, we always think, like we always say, that if you know that maybe you're going to be more prone, maybe you can add something into your warm up. And actually, there's um, a great uh, Australian initiative, I think. Oh no, maybe it's New Zealand. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I think it's a, yeah, um, called ACC Sportsmart. That's about like including this really thorough, like female-specific warm up that has been shown to protect and prevent ACL injury or such injury So yeah,
0: incredible! It's,
1: it, yeah, it's, it's amazing, and like so, just the knowledge of that if you know that that's what you need to do in this phase then why wouldn't you exactly. um so yeah so that's i guess that's the kind of highlights of, of phase two and phase two estrogen like increases until it suddenly like decreases lh increases and you get this ovulation um occurrence in most women Typic, like unfortunately, a lot of um, kind of athletic women may have anovulatory cycles. Um, it's something that seems to be more common in, in women that exercise. It could be linked with kind of energy deficits in that phase two. So you've got to like really like nail your nutrition in that phase to ensure that you you have enough energy to ovulate, basically. Um, and some um, women get these awful awful, like ovulation pains actually there's a an athlete that we work with at the moment who historically just was like sick during ovulation like properly like nauseous like couldn't do anything so that is something to be aware of some people say that they can feel like their ovaries at this time yeah
0: yeah is it is it similar to you know, cramping during phase one, like the same sort of symptoms.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um and I like I don't experience it at the moment at uh, myself, so I can I can say exactly what yeah. it feels like. But yeah, that's that's what it's And um, it's got a, a great German name that they're called like metal schmutz, but um yeah, <laughs> just something. Um Fun fact. <laughs> Yeah, exactly <laughs> so um but for most women like ovulation is pretty it just happens you don't even know that it happens mm. um and then you move into uh, the luteal phase so um that for our phase three is when the kind of progesterone then starts to increase estrogen levels are still pretty high so you've got this um i think dr stacy sims calls it the high hormone phase so um both hormones are, are pretty high and they're—it's it, a it's you again it's a good time um there are some kind of interesting physiological things that happen um as far as we're concerned so uh, typically core temperature increases by uh, about half a degree centigrade um and that could cause elevations in heart rates like by a couple of beats per minute in both rest and exercise um your um, temperature your the kind of sweat thresholds may change as well you might find yourself getting more breathless there's lots of research to suggest that ventilatory um rate is affected in this phase um and like that's what that's what my dissertation was looking at so i feel i like could talk about progesterone all day but um it, it's i don't think it would have any kind of negative effect but it's just something to be aware of if you're, especially like if you're monitoring your heart rates, if you're doing kind of interval sessions by heart rates, and suddenly it's two, three beats per minute higher, that could put you into a different zone potentially. And then you'd be like, oh no, calm down. where actually you're fine. Exactly, yeah. Um, and then the other thing kind of important to know this phase is, um, kind of progesterone is linked to protein catabolism so breakdown of protein and um that could impair recovery it could also mean that you need to have a bit of protein before you exercise and straight after like obviously we always encourage that 30 minute window for fueling after you've um worked out but if you like kind of preload your muscles with protein before it could potentially um, kind of mitigate any negative effects that progesterone has on uh, muscle protein at this phase, um, which then could, like, help you. Recovery means you,
0: like, it, it, it's just protective. Um, I mean, this, so, this is all so mind-blowing. Like, all the things <laughs> that we can do that we, you know, yeah. that our bodies do every 28 days or the 10 Cycle and and um, we can really help ourselves—it's just incredible. And I like—I just reel it off, but as as fem—is there anything else that we need to know? Well, I guess like the 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 big
1: like phase four at the end of the cycle is that premenstrual phase, and typically loads of symptoms, feel a bit crap um and that's linked to information which is kind of you yeah you can really help yourself out with nutrition and exercise
0: mm, awesome well you've kind of answered this next question a little bit but i'll, I'll ask it anyway in case you've yeah. got more to add to it but yeah. basically <laughs> as female athletes like how how do we use this information to enhance our recovery and also on the other end um you know optimize performance?
1: yeah so it's a really interesting one because um there are some people that think oh we should change our training completely and we we kind of would hardly ever say that partly because we work with a lot of elite female sports teams that can't change their training like if you've got 800 reps on the track to do you've got to do 800 reps like exactly yeah um
0: So same goes for race day. If if you're in competition, you can't change the
1: date. (laughs) Exactly. So it's about being proactive. Um, I think the mitigating inflammation in phases one and four is a really big thing. It could change that because if you like that could be two weeks for some females, depending on how long you bleed for. Could be 10 days. Um and so if you're not recovering well because you've got this high level of inflammation or um your your muscles are breaking down a little bit more and you're not really kind of paying giving your body what it needs um then you're not going to perform as like you're not going to perform as well so if you know that oh oh yeah I usually feel a bit tired in this phase and I don't really feel like I can work to my best then I think like there's some little changes that you can you can really easily make make um yeah it's, it's all about being really proactive as much as you can but also working with your own body your own
0: hormonal fluctuations
1: in yeah. terms
0: of the levels of inflammation during phase one is this what causes the cramping
1: yeah so they're linked um the the kind of inflammation is associated with an increase of prostaglandin release which is linked to uterine contraction so they're, they're definitely linked and um, it's what causes like inflammation is associated with a lot of symptoms we don't know for, it's, it's amazing actually once you read lots of research we don't know for sure what causes anything <laughs> there's yes. just lots of associations that we can make um, and so yeah it, it like it's inflammation can be the the kind of if that affects you that could be what makes you feel tired it could be what makes you have cramps um lower back pain it could be um what yeah causes your mood change like inflammation is also linked with cognitive um things it could be what uh, causes kind of gastrointestinal upset, like the gut and inflammation are really linked together. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely something, um, kind of that we will often give people strategies to help with, um, often nutritional strategies. It's, it's amazing. Actually, there's a few studies that look at kind of prevalence of symptoms and diet and showing that kind of a high inflammatory diet with lots of kind of heavily sugary processed foods um kind of like takeaway etc like all the time is linked with more symptoms we just know stay that away I from chocolate so i think those that i don't ever think stay away from chocolate i don't think like you should um kind of deny all your cravings i think you just gotta like be smart with it and savvy um and just know that fruit and veg and like whole grains and oily fish and like mediterranean style diet will really help mitigate some inflammation
0: yeah i'm really curious around the stress and and losing the period Mm -hmm. you hear this can happen with elite athletes yeah what is happening and should you be worried about that
1: yeah good question um so uh, it's actually such an interesting one because of like what's happened recently <laughs> as well. And um, I think typically um, a lot of research looking at amenorrhea, which is when you lose your period. Um, it kind of focuses around energy deficiencies or energy availability. And that is a big, it is a big thing. Um, and that's, Typically, what causes kind of relative energy deficiency syndrome or red S has um, been linked to the female athlete triad as well. So there's there's lots of kind of terms. Um essentially, this stress, what what whatever it's caused by, it could be caused by psychological stress, it could be caused by um often it's caused by deficiencies in energy. So your body's stress because you've got it's spending energy that it doesn't really have, um, on that coming in and um, that causes that affects this, um, axis that your menstrual cycle is governed by called the HPG axis. Um, so your kind of brain detects it, sends messages and stops like hormone production stops menstrual cycles because it's a defensive mechanism. I guess back in the day when we were cave women, um, if there was a, a stress meant like we don't need to reproduce like that's okay it's beneficial for future generations but the, the last, last thing ourselves. we were thinking about yeah exactly for ourselves it's it's not necessary so it just shuts it down and so it's the same your body recognizes stress, as stress. It, it can't differentiate between a tiger coming to approach you and you starving it because you're not refueling it is something to worry about like I think even now we hear stories of, of athletes being like, Oh yeah, my coach told me that if I just that I would lose my period because i just was working hard. Um, and it, it was one of the things that, um, Mary Kane, the, uh, us athlete recently came out saying that she had like loads of stress factors because she'd like lost, lost her period. And unfortunately cessation of menstrual cycles can be linked with all sorts of kind of physiological consequences it is something to be concerned about we would always advise you to seek medical professional help if your period stops and if there are any changes in symptoms even or if your pain is excruciating that could all be linked with an increase or change in stress I think um so one of the things we've seen during lockdown is that um Yes, cycles have stopped and we've had some inter- like, some kind of friends or colleagues being like, oh, maybe I'm pregnant. And no, they, they were just pretty stressed. Um, and But also we've seen that symptoms have exacerbated. So the stress can affect your cycle in different ways. If you lose your cycle, please seek help.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's such an important conversation because, I mean, that just shows how, how impactful stress can be. To the body, yeah, scary situation.
1: It's, it's so kind of not understood or not appreciated. Mm. Um, I think also, as uh, females, we often have this well, I'll just power through kind of Absolutely. approach. It takes a lot for us to be stopped.
0: Um, how do I mean, obviously, if we've if we no longer have our period and we, we're going to the, the GP to you know, seek help and whatever. That's pretty straightforward with that conversation. But how do you start the conversation where you go in and, I mean, it's just about the physical symptoms being really awful. I mean, because, yeah. uh, you know, that can be taken in so many ways. And I know it's so um, individual in terms yeah. of symptoms, but, I mean, you know, how do you start that conversation and, and not be looked at as like a, a loony or, or like yeah. exaggerating what could be?
1: I know even yesterday I was reading, I found this paper um, was looking at cravings and that was saying that PMS is a constru- is societal construction. I was like, what? Absolutely <laughs> not. Like
0: who wrote that?
1: <laughs> <saying it?"> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's hard. It's hard not like to get the right help um also I think a lot of doctors unfortunately like the quick fix is to prescribe a pill yeah. and whether that's a contraceptive or uh, like a anti-inflammatory kind of pill it might work but it might not be what you want to do and what you want to give to your body so it, it is hard I think if if symptoms are excruciating and getting in the way of life, then like further investigation needs to happen to check that there's no underlying pathology. Um, we know like endometriosis is s- like severely undiagnosed, so things like that, um, PCOS as well, can go undiagnosed. So that's why we'd always say go to, go to see someone just to check that they can do your hormone levels, they can do some blood tests, they can just see if nothing is like um anatomically kind of or like physiologically not not right mm. um, and if you're just left with oh no you're fine here's a pill then that's when i think you need to take matters probably into your own hands unfortunately there are there are resources like us Fitter, like fit a woman there are some great resources online that you can you can do lots of reading there's some really great books so um yeah unfortunately you've got to take the onus on yourself
0: mm. And luckily for Fitter Woman, there's so much goodness out there, but we'll get onto that in a moment. Sure. Um, let's talk iron deficiency. What do we need to know about iron supplementation?
1: Sure. So I think the first thing, we would never advise um, you to take an iron supplement without being told to. In some sports, especially if you're feeling tired, it's like, oh, well, just
0: have some iron. Yeah, it must be low in iron. I must be yeah. low in-
1: Especially if you're a female, I feel like that's just like the common go-to thing. It's like, yeah, that'll fix you. Um, Whereas actually, if you have really high iron levels, that could be um, toxic. So we'd never suggest supplementation or like recommend supplementation without knowing what your body's doing. So always get a blood test. And the other thing is that um, iron kind of uh, markers might be altered in athletes so if you're exercising a lot and you're very fit and very trained the kind of typical like ferritin which is what they use often to just to diagnose um, iron deficiency might be altered so it's really good to i'd say tell your gp that you're already fit but they might not know the research that shows that athletes might have higher
0: levels so, yeah. but um we just passed them the research papers along yeah, with that. No, I'm an no, athlete. So, here <laughs> you go.
1: Have a I can, yeah. I can give you the paper. I've, I've done that before. <laughs> be like, oh well, I've been reading this paper, so actually I'd like to try this. <laughs> so I guess yeah, that's something. But if you are diagnosed with um kind of low iron levels, and um, it can be awful. Like I've I've been anemic before, and it's it's horrendous. You just feel like You can't breathe, like you can't move, Um, falling asleep all the time, like I couldn't run, like it was just, yeah. Um, So in terms of supplementation, there are some kind of key things to know. If you're not severely deficient, supplementation with iron every other day seems to be beneficial, More potentially more beneficial than every day, just because of iron absorption. Um, and we would recommend that you take iron at the end of the day, with the largest meal of the day, away from exercise, because exercise could affect absorption of iron. And try to avoid as much as possible having it with um, sources of polyphenols, so that would be red wine, coffee, tea, or cocoa. um So the nutritionist I work with always says, well, it's a bit of a double edged sword because you want to have a steak with a glass of red wine but you're not going to absorb the iron from the steak if you if you drink the red wine um and try to have iron with some vitamin c so whether that's orange juice or some bell peppers depending on how you're taking iron um, and we'd always encourage a food first approach as well so if you do eat meat then um it's like animal sources of, of um, iron are, are beneficial if you don't eat meat um, and you're vegetarian, then there are some plant-based sources that are a little bit harder to absorb. But um, that would be kind of how we recommend iron supplementation. But
0: it's a very individual thing. Yeah, absolutely. As as all of this information is, as you. Yeah. Um What can you see as the future for women in sport with this type of research, and and how long do you think um, we've got to? We've got a good grasp on recovery and sports performance. Protocols specifically for women in sport.
1: Oh, I mean, how long's a piece of string? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I feel like the future. I think the future is bright. Um, so bright. Yeah, I think we are just beginning to understand and tap into to all of this. I think we have still got a long way to go. If you read any research paper or review around kind of menstrual cycles or hormones or female specific considerations it's always it always ends with more research is needed or more robust research is needed because there's a lot of research but sometimes methodology isn't so great so we are appreciating it more there is more interest in women's sports as well which is can only be good um if women's sport kind of catch Catches up a bit with men's sport, then that gives the potential for things like PhDs and like funded, like more funding involved in in women-specific research. So yeah, I think I think we've got a long way to go, but we're 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 getting there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Let's talk about the Fitter Woman app, because I'm pretty excited about it.
1: Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Um, so Feta Woman is a free app. Um, and it is a menstrual cycle tracking app. So you can log your cycle and um, associated symptoms, you can write notes. Um it also links with Strava, so you can up and Apple Health, so you can upload kind of exercise alongside, have a look at those in terms of symptoms, then your cycle length, etc. Um, but it also, I guess, like the main thing of it is it's got loads of information so uh, we kind of break each phase down into different physiological nutritional and training kind of um, considerations we never say this is going to happen to you we kind of we'll always say this might happen research suggests because we're really aware that everyone is different um and we know that there's no blanket one size fits all in in this field so and that's something to to I guess appreciate that it's not a it's not like a Bible saying you must do this, um, but we want to provide tools and education so that um, kind of anyone who is exercising and menstruating um, can take the information and really kind of understand their own body, get to know how to work with their um, individual like, levels of hormones. Um, and hopefully, optimize kind of performance or like in not just sport but in life as well,
0: exactly. and that's what I'm super stoked about like i've I've just recently been using it, and the amount of information that that it gives you, like you know nutritionally, we're talking about recipes as well that are in there, and yeah. um the physiological stuff is just you read it and you go, Oh, that's why I was feeling like that. Or it's, yeah, it's just, it's so, I feel like, I feel like saying it's ahead of your time, but like, it's also (laughs) like really late, (laughs) but (laughs) it's, it's so incredible and, and, and something that's so great to have in your back pocket for every woman. Like you said, whether you're, you're an athlete or not, it's just super helpful. And, um, you know, super great for the mindset as well. Just putting your mind at ease because, you know, feeling those symptoms is normal because this is what's happening.
1: Yeah, you're fine. Like you're a normal human being. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So awesome. What is your message to coaches or trainers training Hmm. female athletes?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, I actually, we actually had a, comment on our social media recent like two a few days ago from a a male athlete who's a male coach who said the most important thing is to listen and i do think like to really listen to your athletes is invaluable but not just listening to what they're saying kind of reading them listening to what like what they're doing we we work with um chelsea women's football club in here in the uk and um, their, one of their S&C coaches, he, he already knew like, that one player had an effect, like an, a certain effect in a certain phase. And he, but he just read that and he just took that as, well, kind of this time, that's what happened. We didn't even have to tell him that. So I think male coaches can, or any coaches can just by listening To your athletes like that and appreciate any kind of changes that happen but from the majority of of coaches like that's a lot if you've got 80 athletes that's really hard to do so i think trying to facilitate a conversation to let um your athletes know that talking about menstrual cycles and periods and female specific um kind of issues um like pelvic floor discomfort or like um incontinence. I think that, that talking about those kind of things is okay, is not embarrassing, it's normal, it's like a like it's a way of life. It's what happens to half of the population. So if we facilitate that conversation and that's a massive step, we appreciate that it's pretty it can be awkward. It can be awkward as a female athlete to go to your coach and be like oh, I I'm really not feeling okay today because I like am bleeding everywhere. Like that, that could be embarrassing. So we we also have a coach platform which we developed kind of as a result of having a lot of conversations with coaches about that, and um, which allows um athletes to link to their coach platform. So then their coach can see whether they've logged any symptoms. They come to training. The coach can see whether they've logged fatigue, lower back pain, mood. Blah, blah, blah. Um so, uh, yeah, that's, that's one thing, but I guess the key thing is education and conversation.
0: Yeah. Conversation is huge. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What is your message to female athletes and, and women in general about understanding their own cycle and, and getting the best from themselves and feeling yeah. the best as best. I, they can? <laughs> I think
1: um, really, this is going to sound cliche, but really listen to your body. Um, and then track, like, track. I would encourage you to pay attention to, to yourself every day. And um, whether that's checking in on, on the nap and logging how you're feeling, and logging your mood, or writing in a journal, um, but tracking like, and acknowledging how you're feeling. And then getting a bit curious about that and being like, oh, so, okay, so this is when I was in phase one. Oh, that happens kind of every time I'm in phase one. Oh, maybe there's some things I can do about that. But I think that's, it's so hard to do because there's not usually space to stop like that. There's not usually that reflective time. So you kind of have to really make yourself. But I think it's invaluable if you can really get to know your own body and what it needs what how it's affected by hormones um, how it's affected by stress then you can kind of empower yourself um, and yeah hopefully like go on above and really really realize potential um, in whatever you, you want to do.
0: Yeah amazing because well, we've only got one body so we may as well get really used to what it does and and how it responds to different things
1: exactly like there's there's no time like the present
0: exactly. <laughs> amen where can we learn more about this research and your work
1: sure so um fitter woman is a free app you can download it on um i store well the app store it's called and google Google Play. Um, you can also um, follow us on Instagram, so at Fitter Woman, and Twitter at Fitter Woman as well. That's F-I-T-R-W-O-M-A-N. Lots of spelling variations go <laughs> on. Um, we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> um, and then
0: we also have a website, so that's www.fitawoman.com. Amazing. Esther thank you so much for your time today I I love what you're doing and this work and can't wait to see the progression of this thank you so much Oh, thank you that was Esther Goldsmith go check out the app fit a woman it is a game changer whether you're a female athlete looking to improve your performance or Ladies, you just want to have a better idea of what is happening with your body. This is the app for you. It's been a game changer for me. I use it for my or tracking my cycle but also my workouts and you know what the symptoms that I'm getting and experiencing and and what I can be doing in order to optimize my performance but also, more importantly, my recovery. The other great thing is the nutritional tips in there. It's so good. I'm not the greatest cook, but these recipes are awesome. It's super simple. It's got it all there for you. I'm so excited for the future of women's sport and the future of this research. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved this episode, share it with your friends and of course, subscribe. If you have any feedback, get in touch with me over on Instagram, Jackie Tan underscore RMT. I would love to chat with you. Have an awesome day, week, month, and year. And here's to a world of Bodies Built Better.